Pod, 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 Pod. Rugby Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Gertie with me as usual. We'll be having a chat with Bath and Scotland's Cam Redpath and talking all things Scotland as they get set to start the Autumn Nations series against Australia this week. Plus we'll be reviewing the Premiership in the URC, so settle back. And if you haven't already, make sure you've followed us on Spotify. We also have a music playlist on there with some cracking tunes, so go and check that out and make sure you've subscribed. Just search for the Rugby Pod. How are you lads? James. Where are you? Last week, you looked in a, a regal place out there in Dubai. There was wood everywhere. You looked great. Where are you this week? you got a white background and you look like you're in prison or something. <laughs> Tell me you're not in prison from Dubai. No, I'm not in prison from Dubai. I was close. I nearly went out with the lads and I'll come on to that. I was close to having my hands cut off because I was in Abu Dhabi and staying. But thankfully, I made it home. I say home. I've made it halfway home, the old home. I'm in Coventry, lads. I'm in Coventry. I'm in Beck's dad's factory. And you could effectively say... Well, it's in Camley. I'm in prison. Yeah, I, lads have been locked up. <laughs> they won't let me out. It got locked up. They won't let me out. Oh, yeah, I am back down to earth, not only with the shits, but with a bang as well. So I'm back is all I'm going to say. How was it though, Jim? Because you were rubbing shoulders with the rich and famous, weren't you? Humbly. And I spoke to Goody on the phone today and he asked how it was. And I could genuinely hear that he was happy for me because he knows it was on my bucket list to go to a UFC fight. And that's what I did. So for the listeners who don't follow me on social media, I plastered it all over there like you do with your good life. I had one of the best days of my life. Now, before we get into it, I want, I need, we give people shout outs who do good things for us and people who are doing good things. But this one goes to Steve Lippy, aka Jimmy, and the Howlerhead Whiskey Bourbon, Banana Infused Bourbon Company. I got front row seats for UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi. That's all I'm saying. Now, for people who... I'm trying to think, Andy Rowe, what's on your bucket list, Andy Rowe? And I can give you an analogy. Like, oh. as in, if, if you were... You, go on, quickly, go. You, oh, I don't know. To, I don't know. You seconds. put me on pressure. Oh, yeah, I'd love to meet Richie McCaw because he's the greatest <laughs> all-black ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andy Rowe, there you go. Andy Rowe, that's basically what you would say. You, you were flustered then and you didn't have enough time, so Goody answered it. So, like, you meet Richie McCaw. I was backstage meeting some of the UFC fighters, front row seats... And I was in a, I was in a haze, but it was absolutely epic. There's a couple of things. So people who do follow me and Goody knows, Andy Rowe, you know, producer Rob's into the UFC as well. It's my number one sport. I absolutely love it. I'm fascinated by it, but I'm also really intrigued, really interested and motivated by the production, what they do in the media, their trailblazers, their pioneers, what Dana White does with the company, risk takers in what is a fucking blood sport. Like, I'm just fascinated by how two humans can go in there and do that. But I love the build-up. And it was. It was like a circus. I said to Goody, there was like YouTubers and stuff that were more famous than more famous than Daniel Craig, for example, from James Bond. You've got these young YouTubers that are knocking about. You've got a guy called the Liverman. Goody, you know the Liverman, don't you? Uh, is that is he lost his liver or something? Because you can't live without your liver. But he's a legend, right? No, apparently he's eating livers. So, And he's walking around with his shirt off. And he, the only liver he's eating is one with white powder and steroids. I don't know if you can say that or not. But he's <laughs> ripped to the bone is all I'm saying. He's ripped to the bone. And apparently he eats livers. He's there. He's got a big YouTube follower. It's like a circus. It's like a bloody... like It's just mental to be there. And they just get it so right. So look, I'm still buzzing from that. My guts have taken absolute hammering. And the fact that I'm now in prison. But they're getting a shout out. So Steve Lippy. Jimmy, Howlerhead, and also James Houston from the Anantar. I've had a cracking week, but my goodness me, I'm feeling it now. Tell the shit's that. Well, it's interesting, Jim, isn't it? Because we obviously spoke earlier, and I, I, I love to know how your household works. Because you said to me, and this is for all our listeners out there, you said to me, you've had the shits for three days, but you still managed to go for the best day ever at the UFC. And there's Beck just handling things, handling business at home, the kids, four kids. You've gone off with the shits. I bet you had a moan about having the shits and said you can't look after the kids, but... You were okay to go to the UFC, right? She asked me, she said, oh, did you have anything to drink? And I said, like, well, I underplayed it, really, because I had five pints of gin and tonic responsibly. But I said I had a couple of gin and tonics. But I did have five pints. I don't know how many shots were in there. Luckily, they weren't selling Howlerhead whiskey over there. They were selling gin and tonics. But in answer to your question, I told her one or two, which you know in the rugby pod and in Jim and Goody and Andy Rowe terms, one or two is basically 22. Effectively, <laughs> so I don't know whether it is that or not. I don't know what it is. How did your weekend stack up, Goody? 
He was walking dogs. Yeah, very opposite to Jim's, actually, but very similar in other ways. So Jim is in Coventry, prison, sorry. I don't wear in Coventry at the minute. I was up in Coventry on Friday night, and it felt, until I pulled into the school I was speaking at, I was speaking at Bab Lake School. There's obviously two private schools in Coventry, King Henry VIII and Bab Lake. I went to King Henry VIII. They've now merged for a rugby tour. Uh, so shout out to Bab Lake School and all the lads. I went and spoke at their dinner and did an auction. But on the way in there, driving into Coventry, I got there early, so I thought, do you know what? I'll just pull into a pub just nearby and have a quick pint. My God, I, I walked out, had a quick pint, the quickest pint I've ever had in my life. I looked round, there's people looking at me as if I'm an alien or something. I don't know why they looked at me. Maybe they just thought, what's this regal gentleman doing in such a place called Coventry? I went to the Cowden pub for a pint and it was horrific. So I sent Jim a picture of where I was. Jim Hamilton's response to that on Friday, when he's probably just preparing to get to the UFC the next day, so he's probably got all his clothes out. He's in Dubai. He's having the best time ever. He goes, I had a few scraps in that car park, son. And that was his, that was his response. So uh, You think, oh, testosterone-fueled alpha male had a few scraps in that car park. He's making it up. The Cowden pub, that front car park, I tell you now, we, it was known as Scrappy-Doo. That was it. Scrappy-Doo dance floor. That was it. We used to meet there. All this, I say all the schools. There was a couple. Barzil was one. Bablake weren't one. They were too posh. They were too well-educated to meet there to have a scrap. So it was basically Cowan Court versus Barzil. And yeah, you've got Scrappy-Doo and then you've got that. That's where I realised, not, not fuck it, I'm talking myself up. I should be a UFC fighter. In that car park is when I realised I could fight, is all I know. I had a fight with Arshad and Jabal and a guy called Kamal, three of them. And I was swinging to the cow sheds, I know. And then once one connected, that's what David Pace got. What happened in that Camden car park is basically fast forward to the future is what went viral, what went viral on YouTube was a scrap. So I should thank the Camden pub and that car park for giving me the foundations to be what could have been a UFC fighter. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, that was Friday. And then Saturday we went pumpkin carving because it is Halloween this week, this weekend, Monday, whenever it is. Don't even know what day it is. But we went pumpkin carving and I carved a few pumpkins and I just basically modelled their teeth on Jim Hampton's B4s. <laughs> like absolutely hanging bag of chips for, for teeth. And that's what our pumpkin looks like uh, outside the front door. Basically, it looks like Jim. Shit teeth and obviously an orange face from being in Dubai. Scarily hard. Yeah, hard, mate. Hard. Hard as you come. But it's weird, isn't it? Because Halloween now, it seems to be, maybe because we're all looking to celebrate stuff more, but it seems to be a thing now. I know it's a big thing in America. But it seems to be a big thing here. We're all getting dressed up in the house. I'm going as a werewolf. I don't know where I'm going. I think I'm staying in the house as a werewolf, which will be a bit weird. Well, Beck might absolutely love it. She might have... Well, she, actually, she's asked me to dress up as a werewolf, so... <laughs> What's going on? Hey, role play, they call it. Before we get into the action from the weekend, Jim, what did you make of Gregor Townsend's decision to admit Finn? Oh, I'm the boss. I'm the daddy. Get your werewolf outfit on and get around the house. That's what Beck is looking for. She's looking for decisive men who make decisive decisions with hair. So, Gregor, you're not in, mate. You're not coming around. Good. I'd be interested to get your take on this because you were a player, not in the position, obviously in the position, but you were a player that could split opinion, had a divisiveness in you, had a, a moral compass. Yeah, similar to me. Similar to me, but I've got an opinion on it. I was going to say something about the moral compass, but when it comes to like... Business is business, sport is business, and you have to remove the emotional attachment. That is one thing that I always valued in you, respected you in that. So I've got an opinion on Finn, and I did an article on it for the Times, and I find myself changing, not changing, but kind of evolving my thought process around it. And look, me and Finn are mates. I like the man. I, I love the human that lives behind the player. We were messaging on Saturday night at the UFC, not about the rugby I, I don't really want to ask him too much about it because I, I think I know the answer so I don't want him to tell me and then it gets out there in the public domain and it's like he's only told me not that he has but you know what I mean I don't want to spill the beans but the big thing for me on it Goody is you have to ask yourself if he didn't want to play if he didn't want it if he doesn't want to come into the squad and fall in line with what the coaches want then he's given Gregor no other option has he not do you know what I mean because we're all at the minute having a go at Gregor, the media's all having a go at Gregor, how's Finn not playing, he's the best player of our generation, which I'm agreeing with, that's the general consensus, but there's a part of me, and this is the evolution of the mind, and when I sit on it a bit more, but if Finn doesn't want to be there, 
then why as a coach would you be pushing everything to try and make him happy and and whatever, even though I think he should, but I'm asking you that. Yeah, I think there's different ways of looking at it. First and foremost, we in the press and on podcasts or the general public, we can only go on what we're told by Gregor, who's picked the team. So Gregor, to me, and this is where I have a problem with it. I know where you're going. This is true. Gregor said it's picked on form. So he's picked three fly halves. And he's picked on form and he said Finn needs to you know, work on his game at Racing and, and find some form. So he's picked Blair Kinghorn. Okay, we know there's a push for Blair. There's a World Cup coming up. Blair is a very adaptable player. He can play on the wing, he can play fullback, he can play 10. They're trying to shoehorn him into playing 10 as well. Adam Hastings, I think, has been on brilliant form for Gloucester and should be in the squad. And then he's picked Ross Thompson from Glasgow, who's played about 20 minutes of rugby, hasn't he, this year, which... If he's picked on form, fuck me, it was a great twenty minutes because I don't want to do <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to do the lad a disservice. But and this is where in the press you you find out things and yeah, he said it's on form, so it's obviously not on form because Ross Thompson can't be picked on form. You could say I picked Blair Kinghorn and I picked Adam Hastings on form and I picked Ross Thompson as someone that we want to develop. Finn, go away and work on your form. If that's the truth, that's understandable because that's the coach's prerogative and his decision. But to say you've picked on form and you've not picked Finn. Okay, you know, the season, you know, he ripped it up on Saturday for Racing, if you watch the game, absolutely carved up. So for me, he's Scotland's greatest player. The different issue, which I think you're alluding to, Jim, is let's hear it. If that is the problem where Finn, and you've said it, you didn't want to ask him, but if you're saying Finn doesn't want to go and play for Scotland in that environment, then Gregor should just come out and say it because unless he changes his ways to fit into the coach and what the coach wants, then Finn if he's behaving in a certain way that doesn't suit the coach and the squad, he either changes or doesn't get picked. But people need to know that. Otherwise, people make decisions based on what he's saying on form. And then it's a ridiculous decision to say you're picking Ross Thompson ahead of Finn Russell, Scotland's greatest ever fly half on form. So I do understand the need for there to be different personalities within a group and not everyone's going to be the same in rugby. So you have to have some players that need an arm around them, some players that you need to tell them they're the best player in the world, they'll go and perform for you. And there's some players, and sometimes this was me, sometimes it wasn't me, some players want an absolute rollicking to get the best out of them. So certain coaches could give you a rollicking and then you're like, I'll prove that fucker wrong. And that's your attitude. Whereas other players really get uplifted by you know having a coach on their back all the time and that improves their training standards that improves their play and they become better players for it whereas the art of coaching is understanding how to treat and get the best out of every individual within a team environment and you can clearly see there's an issue between Finn Russell and Gregor Townsend some people have said you know he's having a baby he's not available for the first game because it's outside the test window but I think he's created a, a big headache for himself and Finn's done what Finn can do. He's gone off and he's performed this week. He's done ridiculously well for Racing. If you watch actually the, the snippets from his game, he's on fire. So Scotland aren't good enough, in my opinion, and this might sound harsh. Scotland aren't good enough as a team to not pick their one of their best players in Finn Russell in the squad. Whether he's a disruption, whether, you know, I spoke to him. We were in Dubai last year after the Six Nations in Nobu, having a load of food, having a load of drink. He loves playing for Scotland. So I don't think it's that. There's obviously some issue with him and Gregor Townsend until that gets fixed. We've seen it before where he got kicked out of the squad for having three beers, not two. And that's the issue, really. So Gregor's just got to be honest and say, if you don't want to pick him, don't pick him. But you know, let's not put, put a smoke screen up and say it's on form when you've picked someone that's played 20 minutes. And you've got to change at captain as well. Why is Stuart Hogg not captain anymore? Or I think you look at the back end of the Six Nations, there was clearly something not right in the Scotland squad. I always said when Hoggy was picked or when a back is picked as captain that I... I'm old school. I'm a traditionalist with that. I love seeing a forward as captain. Naturally, because again, I like Hoggy. He's a mate. I want to see him as captain. People don't like the fact that I say he's one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player to ever play for Scotland. People are like, no, he's not. What are you talking about? Yeah, he is. He is. He's a three-time British and Irish Lion, and he's one of the best players we've ever had, if not the best player. So therefore, you can see why he was made captain, and then my emotion around why he should stay as captain. But... Now that I've had a bit of time to digest it, I go back to my old school in me. I like a forward as captain. Jamie Ritchie, for me, is a guaranteed starter when fit. And it maybe frees Hoggy up. Not that he needed a rocket up his ass, but maybe he needed a, a, a leveller, something to give him an, a, another boost. Because he's played a lot of rugby. You know what I mean? There's a lot of pressure on him. If it is to do with something that happened at the end of the Six Nations, then 
that ain't great. But if there are other reasons around, he's, he's going to be better without being captain. He, he needs something to spur him on a little bit more. I don't know. I don't know these things. But then it's a positive thing. And you can only go based on what Hoggy said. He put some stuff up on Instagram and Twitter. I don't think it was just a tagline, oh, I support Jamie Ritchie and I want to play for my country. I think he genuinely believes that. I think he wants to find the form that makes him one of the best players in the world when he is on form. And I think having that release as captaincy will do that for him. And a big shout out to Jamie Ritchie, friend of the show. And uh, I think he's a great captain. But there's a few things, isn't there? The worry is, is that a year out before a World Cup and we've now got a new captain. We don't know who the 10 is. I don't know. This is a Scotland way of life, it seems. Yeah, I have heard it was off the back of, I don't know whether this is true or not, it's just a rumour, after the Italy game when a few of them went out for a few beers and then Finn got dropped, didn't he? Um, I just wonder whether Gregor Townsend's changed the captain because he's still holding a grudge against that. The line, Who knows where the line is? When you, You're either told you can't drink and then if you cross the line, you're wrong, or you're told nothing, therefore to the cow sheds and back, you're drinking. I don't, I don't know. It's like when you go out and you say to the missus, oh, I'll be home for 12. It's just going to be a quiet one. And then you're rolling at four. Why did you even say you're going to be home for 12? You just didn't say which day it was, right? It's like when you're in Argentina and it's midweek and you're drinking and you might be smoking at the bar. I mean, there were Marlboro lights, so you could say that you weren't smoking. And you turn around and you blow smoke in the fitness coach's face. <laughs> and then you know that you've got to leave. And then the coach asks you the next day, do you smoke? And you say no. Similar. <laughs> I'm going to tell him, I, say, I'm, yeah, I don't care. I'll tell him when I go, I'll have a cigarette. I'm going to tell him that. Jim, do you smoke? No, I don't. No, I don't, Andy. <laughs> you do. Different sorts of problems for Eddie Jones. He's got a few injuries to contend with after the likes of Luke Cowan Dickey, Henry Arundel, Johnny May, Owen Farrell all went down at the weekend. And Courtney Laws is also still struggling. Who's who's your England captain, Goody, if Laws and Farrell are out? That's a good question, actually. And I think you look back at what Eddie Jones has done. I know he made Tom Curry captain in a few players' absence. Was it, I think it was last season, wasn't it? So Tom Curry did the job a couple of times. For me, the one I think that should be captain, and we've seen his leadership credentials grow hugely over the last few years, is Ellis Genge at Lucer Prop. If you want a boy to be on the front line, the middle line and the back line and have some empathy with players and you know be a voice of the people and be a real leader in terms of actions, then I think Ellis Genge is certainly the guy. He'll probably go for Tom Curry, but yeah, Real bad weekend for England in terms of the injuries. You know, Johnny May's one looks pretty awful. Looked like a dislocated elbow or something like that, which will keep him out for a while. He's only just back from injury as well. Owen Farrell got absolutely sparko trying to make a legal tackle. He was, he was pretty low, caught it on the hip, I think it was, down at Exeter. Mark McCall said, I think Owen Farrell's got to stand down for 12 days now in terms of playing because of the concussion. That's part of the new protocols around being knocked out. Uh, on the field of play. So it means Argentina's touch and go. And I know he's not going to Jersey this week to train with England. Henry Arundel, you know, he burst onto the scene last year, didn't he? he he'd certainly be involved in the match day 23. He picked up a foot injury as well. Karen Seki, his knee looked pretty bad. And I think it was when Mako took him out at the back of the line-out drive and you saw the scream as he's been taken out. And the, my first thought was it's a scream because he's trying to make out it's illegal and it should be a penalty try which it was and we'll get onto the the game in a bit but it was actually because of his knee so yeah i mean tough weekend for england in terms of fitness and form of certain players there was other players that played really well but for me i'd go ellis genger skips jim if i'm eddie jones i'm probably picking shickling he can't he, he's not he doesn't know whether he can play yet shickling exactly exactly so <laughs> eddie jones will make him captain <laughs> Well, only four games in the Premiership this weekend, but they were all good ones, and it started on Friday night. What about Adam Hastings' drop goal? Gavin who? That's it. Gavin Hastings, you know, because his dad was mm. Gavin, so that's why I'm saying Gavin who. But, yeah, great. I mean, Gloucester, fair play. I love Gloucester, and for many reasons, as we know. I just like the way that they play. I know the game wasn't amazing uh, with the conditions. Not an easy place to go to. London Irish, two probably well-matched teams, it's their moments in it that win games. I actually was doing a load of research on Bath because we've got Cameron Redpath. So I was listening to the coach. I was looking at the different stats and stuff like that. And you go back against that first game against Bristol where AJ McGinty gets that goal and basically wins it. Now I'm looking at Gloucester this season, the small margins. Like you don't realise how big that could be. I know it wasn't at the end of the game. It was 60 odd minutes or whatever. But it's the small things. It is the small things that are actually really, really big things. So in answer to your question, unbelievable drop kick. It really was. I mean, Andrew, I don't think it's an easy kick that easily goes over. But in the context of the season, 
where London Irish are, the way they play, how difficult it is there to win. A massive win for Gloucester. You reckon that easily goes over, does it? Uh, I reckon nine times out of ten, good if you were to kick it, would you not? Look, I'm talking to you, I'm being nice today. Yeah, oh no, sorry, I thought, I thought you said it easily, his kick easily went over. For me, mate, I'm getting that one in ten, I reckon. Maybe one in 20, I'd say. But no, it was a great kick. I, it was funny enough, watching BT Sport and they found some clips around him practicing it in the warm-up from a similar spot. Uh, and fly-offs do that. You fuck around in the warm-up. You, you know, you're trying to bang, find your range in terms of penalties. The wind was obviously going straight down the field, even though it's an, quite an enclosed stadium there at, at Brentford. But he probably knew he had it in him and it was the perfect opportunity. And he actually said himself, it was ugly the way he struck it, but it crept over the bar and it's massive because... You know, at the time, London Irish had a lot of possession. They were sort of had momentum in the game, and Irish were kind of looking to dominate that area where Gloucester didn't really have a foothold in it. And that's where away from home, you know, you drive them more, you fly off taking opportunist drop goals when there is opportunity for them is is massively important. And like Jim said, big Gloucester fans now, aren't we, Jim? Uh, you always have been. I did half an hour on the bike with the lads. There's another one going out in Australia at the minute. We spoke about last week for Ed Slater. And um, yeah, it, listen, they've, what are they, four from five? Going exceptionally well in the top four. Did you put them in the top four, Jim? I did put them in the top four. Have a look at the top four. Well done, James. Yeah, actually, all my calls this season are about, well, we didn't know that Watson, Worcester were going to fold, but I said that London Irish would struggle as well, did I not? You did, James. And Alex Good was the man to win it with a kick at the death on Saturday for Saracens at Exeter, wasn't he? I'm a bothered. See, see his reaction after. It was like, don't touch me, don't touch me. Just nailed it. He nailed it. And and obviously the kick is the headline, the winning kick. But we've spoken in depth on here about how great Premiership Rugby's been in terms of high scoring games. And Jim's always like, summer rugby, that's what I'm saying, summer rugby. But anyone that watched that extra Saracens game at the weekend, the Chiefs against Saris, it wasn't free-flowing. It wasn't open, expansive rugby. The weather was pretty shit at times. But my God, what a contest it was. Like it was... Test match. Yeah, it was for the purists. Uh, it was test match quality, the physicality, everything. It had everything. Exeter dominated the first 20 minutes. Saracen's defence was just ridiculous. Owen Farrell obviously started, got his yellow card for tripping up Jack Noel, and you know, he bounced back, and then you know, he's back on to lead the troops, and then he gets knocked out. The stories in that game were phenomenal. You know, Mako Vanapola gets Simbin. Again. Again, yeah. But Saracen's... You know, I had someone ask me, how can Mako Vanapola could play? Well, if you looked into it, he only got banned for three weeks, which was reduced to two if he did a rugby course that said why he shouldn't have cleaned out in the way he did. So he was allowed to play. Of course he was. But the stories, then Saracens in the second half looked like they had the game won comfortably. Yeah, I think they were 10 points up at one point. Extra come back against the wind, find it with themselves to break Saris down. And then Henry Slade was outstanding. He kicks one to put extra ahead and then... Elliot Daly as well. Addy Jones don't want to pick him. As we said last week on here, ridiculous form, so should be in the squad. And I'm sure we will get called up now at some point, hopefully. But then the Spuds man, Alex Goode, wasn't bothered. Equals Chris Chesney's record ever appearance. 338 games for one club. Now you're talking to a guy here that played 200 for Leicester and then went to as many clubs who would pay him money to play rugby. But what an effort that is. I know he's obviously been paid in houses and stuff as well, probably. But my God, what a player he's been for Saracens over a long, long period and still rolls off the bench and slots a hell of a kick. What did it come off, Andrew? What did what come off? The penalty kick. Yeah, the, the, the scrum that I'm not sure about, to be honest. Seven penalties against Exeter at scrum. So Exeter conceded seven pens. And on that, shall I just tell you who gave the penalty away, Jim? England captain. The one that you wanted as England captain, yeah, Schickling. So. No, I don't want him as England captain. I think that Eddie Jones could pick him as England captain. Scrum to the cow sheds and back. So, Ian Peel back. Ian Peel back. Big shout out to him because he's a scrum coach. And how timely was that performance from Marcus Smith and Quinn's win at sale for England ahead of the Autumn Nation series? Harlequins fans, you're welcome. I said it on air last week, didn't I, about he wasn't at the races against Leicester. And the whole team, the whole Harlequins team wasn't at the races against Leicester. They got dominated at the breakdown, but they flip, 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 flip and reversed it this week and dominated Sale at the breakdown. I thought Will Evans had the better of Curry in the back row and Marcus Smith absolutely pulled the strings. It was a very un like performance in 
And I mean that with the greatest respect in terms of you you rock up to watch Quinns play, you think they're just chucking it around everywhere, having fun, loose, frenetic, can play from anywhere. But they dogged it out against a physical sale team who... The shades of last season, really, with their discipline. The discipline was shocking at times. And Marcus Smith pulled the strings in a way, in a manner, that people wouldn't perhaps have seen that much. He's got it in him, in terms of game management and running the game. His goal kicking was on point. His, you know, his territorial kicking, along with Danny Kerr's. You know, Danny Kerr, I think, won the battle comfortably with Rafi Quirk, who's obviously been put in the England squad. Danny Kerr hasn't. So, yeah, listen, very unquins like performance in terms of less of the razzle-dazzle, but more of the tough stuff. And, um, yeah, they, they, they put it to sale pretty convincingly in the end. That's what I put. Physicality. Jack Kenningham, Will Evans, the physical battle. Danny Kerr, decent with the boot. Bath got their first win under Johan van Graan. How impressed were you with those guys? Thought Northampton were poor, saying it frankly. That's no disrespect to Bath. I thought when you watch Bath play, you're thinking, surely they're going to play it safe. Right, because they've not won a game this year. Changeover of coaches. You look through the archives, what Borthwick did at Leicester, Skivington's done at Gloucester. You play it safe. The talk of building the mall, Johan van Graham has mentioned building the mall for Bath. But actually, from your own trial line, off you go. And we saw that, and we saw breaks coming through, offloads galore, and they didn't look like a team that hadn't won a game. And I thought they looked really impressive. I thought physically, defensively, uh, Dave Atwood flying off the line, chop tackling, doing what he's doing. Miles Reed, Tom Dunn, as we know, it matters to him a lot. Like every player, I thought to a man, looked like they wanted to be there and looked like it meant a lot to them. So I know we've had our say about Bath on here, and rightly so. Some of it can be tongue in cheek. I was very impressed, not with the tries necessarily, but the physicality and desperation that they showed for the club. So big shout has got to go to them and Johan Van Graham as well. Yeah, the, Quinn Rue was really good in the second row as well, I thought, in terms of physicality. And this is the thing, it's a big week for Bath. And, you know, for the millions of listeners, I've got a lad that sits next to me in the office in my day job uh, who's a, a Bath fan. And he talks about, Bath, we're going to be back. We're going to be back. We're going to be back. Josh, his name is. So, hello, Josh. Um, you're absolute noise. Are you talking about rugby? Are you sat next to Josh and you, and you just like... Give me your World 15. Who's the hardest player you played against? <laughs> Josh, I, and he'll listen to this now. Josh is the ultimate rugby pig. Like, he could talk about it all day. I'm like, Josh, give me five minutes. I've got some foreign exchange to do here. But no, listen, Bath, they, it was a big week. They got the planning permission for the ground as well last week in terms of the wreck, which has been an ongoing situation now for donkey's years uh, around you know, what they can do at the Rex. They've got building planning permission for that to, to make it a great stadium now, which is big news, especially off the back of what we've seen over the last few weeks with Worcester and Wasps. And then they find a performance within them. Like, I think basically Stuart Hooper wasn't allowed anywhere near the team last week. He didn't give them the arousing speech. Johan Graham took it and effectively Cam Redpath was the man. And um, We might be lucky enough to speak to the man later on because he was absolutely outstanding, Cam Redpath was. George Warboys at 10 making his debut. What a name. I know, what a boy. Yeah, what a boy. Or imagine being called, not Waterboy, where his name is Warboy. No, no, no. That's his Call of Duty name where he's like, fuck it. 2022, I can change my name. You can change whatever you want to do, whatever you want to be. I'm changing my surname to Warboy. So he was. Uh, he comes on with his scrum cap. I thought he played really well. For his debut in the Prem, in a team that hasn't won a game yet, you go up to Newcastle and it's war this, war last, war him, war that. War boys, that's all you need to know. What a player. Ollie Lawrence, again, we've talked about him. Ever since he's stuck the bath shirt on, he's obviously been through the mill at Worcester and we keep saying it week in, week out, but he keeps turning up week in, week out and playing exceptionally well for Bath since he's moved there. Yeah, really pleased for him. It's been coming. As you said, Saints were well off it. 14 turnovers, 15 penalties against them. It was yeah, pretty abject from them, but they were made to look abject at times by a Bath team that wanted it. And they obviously had a big week with the planning permission and you know they found something with themselves to get the win. So well done to all the Bath boys. Well, we can have a chat now with a key man for Bath and potentially for Scotland as well this autumn. Centre Cam Redpath joins us. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for coming on. No, it's all good. I'm excited to, excited to be here. Awesome to have you, mate. It's been a long time coming. Your dad's been messaging me literally every week. And he's like, you need to get him on. You need to get him on. You need to get him on. I said, well, we've got to wait for Bath to win. And he was like, right, it's now ready. And I say that tongue in cheek because you were awesome at the weekend. So I can say it. But finally, we've got you on. Thanks to you, Dad. Yeah, no, Dad's helping me out there, I'm guessing. And how is it, mate? Obviously, a big win at the weekend. You know, it's been a pretty tough start to the season for Bath. Loads of changes, new coaches coming in, few players leaving. Obviously, you know, to get the win at the weekend, which you were integral 
in achieving that. You break early in the first half and obviously the intercept. I love the celebration as well. We'll come on to that in a bit. But first and foremost, before we talk pause, how tough has it been? Because, you know, the start of the season has been pretty brutal at Bath, hasn't it? Yes, yeah, it's, it's been pretty tough. You know, it's been 15, 15 weeks of real tough, hard work. And, uh, you know, we, we had a, a bit of a challenge ahead of ourselves this season with obviously the season we had last year. So it was never going to be easy. And I think when you were uh, in that, that run of games that, that we had last year, it's kind of hard to, to get out of that sometimes. And I think the first game of the season with Bristol, we kind of thought, right, we're so close. And, and, and we kind of did that again. And we were poor against Sale. You know, they go down to 14 men. You should never really lose a game like that. But... Um, yeah, there's, I think that we, we spoke about this relentlessly, you know, every single week we spoke about, lads, we're this close, let's keep going, like, don't let it like, stop. And, you know, I think we let ourselves down a lot in the first kind of four or five games and, uh, you know, first half was poor, a lot of them. So to come out against Saints and, and really, you know, have a good start and, and, and we, we spoke about it all week, we needed a good start. If we get a good start, we know we're good in the second half and we have been all season. So, um yeah, it was it was really nice to get the win and, you know, it was it was something that was was very much needed at the club. Uh, just to, we've got a bye week this week um, where we went to play Worcester. So to go into this week with a with a win, it kind of puts us in a good place going into Newcastle next week. Yeah, I thought you lads were awesome at the weekend. And part of that is not kicking the ball. I know you need to kick the ball, but awesome to watch. And how hard is it to not just kick the ball away and try and play safe? I couldn't believe how confident you guys look considering you hadn't won in a long time. Yeah, you know, obviously, I think... The, the premiership's come, you know, there is a lot of kicking around it now. And, and we had to, we had a young tank come in who's, who's making, you know, his premiership debut. And I thought he controlled when to, you know, to play and kick. He, he controlled it pretty well. You know, it's, it's it's a hard position to be in, especially when you've not won a game this season. It's a, it's a tough situation to be in. So we probably kicked, you know, a lot at, at the weekend, you know, compared to what we did last year. And I think that was one thing that kind of let us down last year. We couldn't really exit. Uh, we also found out against Gloucester, we uh, twice we tried to run from our own line and, and we got turned over. They had two driving more tries and, and, you know, it cost us. So we kicked at the right times, sometimes maybe, you know, too much. But to keep Northampton down in their own half when they do like to run it a lot, they don't kick it off. It's just kind of, I guess, a smart way of, of dealing with Northampton. So, um, no, it was, it was tough. But again, very happy to get the win. And, and I think we, we, we kind of started well, which, which helped massively. And just another thing on that, obviously, we're listening to you speak and all that stuff. I know your dad, Brush, played against him for years. The most Scottish man you've ever seen in your life. Now, when you were English and you were playing for England in the 20s, you played in the centres with a young man called Ollie Lawrence as well, who's come down to Bath since the issues at Worcester. And we had him on the podcast a few weeks ago. He's had a huge impact for you boys. And obviously, you're playing with George Wall boys at, at 10 and him at 13 at the weekend. It's a new combo that went really well. Just give us a bit of insight into Ollie Lawrence and how he's settled in because he's flying, isn't he? Yeah, he's you know he's a confident player as it is, and he has been all his life. I think he uh, we both kind of had struggles last year with injury. We couldn't find a, a you know a run of games together. So uh, when he came and he, you know he texted me on the Friday going see him Monday, and I was like, what the hell's going on? And you know he, he started that first week against Gloucester, and um, we probably didn't use him the best we could against Gloucester. I think I tried to get him too much into the game by hitting him on the leads, and he's just getting man on ball hit. But against you know. Saris, we used him a lot better and he, he showed what he can do. And um, yeah, he's a, he's a very talented player and he's, he's, he's fitted very well in the club. So it's nice to have him on board. And as a, as a mate as well, it's always nice to see, uh, you know, someone who's got your back and, and, and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's brilliant. It's nice to, nice to have a couple of the Worcester boys there. Goody touched on the English accent and England under 20s. Now I know a little bit of the backstory, but also your dad over a wee dram. It's actually over about 10 or 15 at the Ben and Tom Youngs' testimonial do, he basically said that the influence of the Gloucester captain at the time, Scotland, um, he called me a legend when you were a young lad walking around in nappies that you saw that there was a path with an English accent to play for Scotland. <laughs> is that true? Yeah. It is. It is true. It is, it is. I do remember. I remember you used to fight all the time as well. And it got me into it at the weekend. I was trying to get into as many as I could. <laughs> and that's why you chose to play for Scotland, right? Because you knew there was a path with the English accent that there was still a route for you. Yeah, exactly that. And I can I can put a good Scottish accent on sometimes. So I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty well trained at home. Bit of history. So you might not remember this, but I was coaching Berkhamstead School for a little bit. And you came down and played for Sedbra, and I saw Brush on the sideline. I'm like, mate, what a player. What a player your lad is. He's destined to play for England. He goes, I know he is, mate. I know. Loads of money in England. He's playing for England. He's English. And now you're playing for Scotland. So what's happened? No, <laughs> oh, no. I do I do remember that game. I remember it because uh, I remember Bevan Rod was like trying to give all like, chat and stuff the whole game to, to everyone. I think he was trying to get stuck into you as well. He was. Chopsy as fuck, that kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I do remember that. I know he's just... 
you know, a lot's, uh, a lot's happened in my, my kind of professional career and it started pretty poorly, just getting ACL straight out of school and then a run of it kind of for a year and a half, I couldn't really get any, any good games under my belt. Came to Bath after lockdown and lockdown kind of saved my career, I think. Well, not my career, but saved me kind of starting to play a little bit better. Came to Bath after having, what, six months just at home doing my rehab on my own pretty much and really focusing on getting my, um, you know, my knees right at the time. I started playing a little bit better for Bath and I just wanted to enjoy my rugby. I kind of realised how quick it was to all just change and the opportunity of Scotland came up and I wanted to play international rugby. So it was, uh, you know, an exciting Scottish team at the time and to play with the likes of Finn and Hoggy and Ali and people like that, it was just, you know, something I, I, I just thought, no, I'm not going to turn this down and, and want to make the most of this. So, um, yeah, it was something I, I just decided to do. Uh, I wanted to play international rugby and I wanted to enjoy myself as much as I could. Um, and as I said, the bad thing about rugby is it can be taken away uh, in a heartbeat. And I think I've noticed that more than ever over the last kind of four years of being a professional going into my fifth this year. You know, the, the last 18 months has been pretty similar. So for me, just getting back uh, back playing and, and, and stuff is uh, was massively important and enjoying it again. I love how you mentioned Ali, Finn and Hoggy, the lads who had one beer too many, but we, we might get into it, we might not. But more <laughs> importantly is about your game that you played for Scotland. And you are a one-cap wonder at the minute now two now oh you are two two minutes against uh against wales which i i mean both times i did my neck afterwards and i never played again so it's a shambles but did you win that game though no you're a one cap wonder in my eyes <laughs> you are a one cap wonder so far because that england game i think i mean i was there it was an empty stadium it was the most bizarre circumstances but I'll say, I think you took the international game and you took maybe the Scotland public by storm. It was an absolute phenomenal performance. Let's just say you've got one cap and that was it. How unbelievable was that game? And was it strange as well in in many ways? Because there was no fans? Definitely. It was weird as anything. I didn't really feel like it was playing an international. I mean, the the game was tough and I was absolutely shattered after it, but... I mean, a few beers helped out after the game and uh, the, the flight back up was good. And unfortunately, I was sat next to Finn on the flight um, and he wouldn't let me uh, He wouldn't let me leave. He wouldn't let me be seen without a drink. So um, it was a good flight home and a good time home. But for me, it was all weird because it all happened. I had a, this dodgy neck at the time and I couldn't do a press up the morning of the game. Just And I didn't want to tell anyone because I was like, I can't pull out this late. Like That just is the last thing. And being obviously, uh, you know, me and Ollie playing together at 20s it was like kind of both of us at 12 playing against each other that we hadn't spoke all week and we normally do quite you know stay in touch quite often and uh, it was just a big occasion and it felt like a big occasion building into the week and then the day of it because it was so quiet at the stadium nothing really going on I was just kind of like really relaxed and um, yeah it didn't feel like an international at all and then obviously we played the game and then the next morning I, uh, I told them I couldn't do a press up and I had to go and they you know at the time we thought oh it'll be like two weeks I'll be back and there was a bye week I think afterwards yeah, I thought I was going to be back for the for the back end of the Six Nations and I never never made it back just from 10 weeks out for a neck injection. And then the following year, I did exactly the same thing. So my international career so far hasn't really felt like an international career. It kind of feels like I'm in camp for a week and then I go home again. And uh, I'm, I said to, to, I'm rooming with Josh Bayliss up here at the minute and um, this is the first time we've both been here without some sort of injury. He's always been concussed or I've always had a big neck issue or knee issue or something. So yeah, my international career at the minute not really felt like an international career at all. I wouldn't worry about not being able to do a press-up. Jim got 60-odd caps for Scotland. could never do more than one press-up either. <laughs> and nor could I, to be honest. So, Well, you couldn't even do a set-up as well. Let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. you <laughs> there we go. Well, let's talk about the Scotland squad, obviously. Uh, and I'm finding this a bit weird now. You're obviously in the Scotland camp. You, you're up there. You're a premiership rugby player. Bath have got a bye week this weekend. Scotland are playing Australia. And, you know, obviously the, the letter of the law is that you boys can't play, can you? Unless there's some special circumstances or Bath agree. Is there a chance you've been involved against Australia this weekend or is it more so you, it's outside the window so you can't play? Yeah, it's outside the window so we're, we're not allowed to, uh, which I, I do I do agree. I find it quite weird. Um, I'd love to be able to have the opportunity to play, especially, you know, considering as, as we have got a bye week. But, you know, for me, I'm, I'm not, it's not probably something I need to go and argue about. I'm just happy to be, you know, fit once in camp. And hopefully, you know, I can get a shot over the next three weeks to, to kind of show people what I can do again. And I'd love to love to play. But um, yeah, it's weird. I don't know why why it's like that. Because I know England had had four games as well, which kind of makes it even weirder, I guess. But no, I'm not, I don't think I'll be allowed to play. Now, obviously, you played with some unbelievable players. You played against some unbelievable players. The win at the weekend. I just need to ask you, 
emotionally what you went through at the weekend. You made the break in the first half, but when you got the intercept, the little celebration before you get to the line, was that a, a relief? Was it, look at me, I'm, I'm back, I'm, I'm playing well, I'm in the Scotland squad, or was it just a, a complete outburst of happiness? It was more the, the happiness and the fact that I get a lot of stick, right? So I'm, I get, I'm, I'm not slow at all. I hit good speed, <laughs> I do hit good speed, but I do not look quick at all. And lads like Ben Spencer give me stick all the time for being slow or looking slow. And um, I posted an Instagram about it after the game and the amount of people that commented on it, like from the club going, you nearly, you look as slow as a bus, you nearly got the quicks, I nearly got you. So like for me, I don't score many tries from 50 metres out anymore. Like as schoolboys, you can kind of do that. But for me, now all my tries are kind of like two on ones and I get the end of it. Or like, uh, you know, you run a lead and you just get over somehow. So... To score from like kind of 50 out, I was kind of pretty buzzing and, and to, to not be caught as well, uh, I was kind of happy. So, and I guess it's been, for me, a long year, 18 months, pretty much hardly any rugby. And to then, you know, be back fit and, and to finally just kind of, I felt like I had a pretty good game and, and to come back and just score and, you know, it's our first win. And at that point in the game, they just scored. So it was kind of like a big kind of next point, kind of who gets the next point is kind of probably going to win this game or have the momentum swing. So um, it was just a big relief of, yes, finally, we've, you know, I think we've got this now, uh, as well as just in the crowd as well. Uh, when we were on our own line in the first half, I could hear people, you know, shouting and saying like, come on, Bath, like, you you know, you've been shy all year and all this and that and the other. And then to get that and just, I don't know, it's just kind of a, a release of, Oh, finally. And again, I'm not that slow. Yeah, I love it, mate. You should do it more. We should see more celebrations and happiness. It's uh, It was great to see. I love how Goody jumped straight for the headlines. Intercept try, the break set up for the try as well for, for Reed. What I want to go back to is the mall defence at the very start when Northampton were mauled into the cowsheds and back. And I knew as soon as you would touch it or hit it, it would be held up. And that's what happened. So you you basically stopped them scoring early on with the mall. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, I don't really know what I'm doing in the malls, if I'm honest. We have to get in a few now and I just get my head in and, you know, I just tried my hardest to stop it. But we've got a, a good few, uh, we've got a few big boys in the pack and they just seem to know what to do. I just get stuck in and try and do whatever I can and just to save an attack. I'm hearing it, I get cramp every week at the minute because I've been mauling for the first time in my whole career. So uh, it's that uh, I've never really won for cramp. And then the last five minutes of the last couple of games are, are cramping. So yeah, malls aren't really my thing. I don't think I uh, enjoy them too much, but. I guess it's what, what um, you know, Johan and the team want us to do. So It's an art. It's a fine art. That's all Jim could do, to be fair. Cam, you must have uh, been keeping tabs on some of the other teams you guys are going to be coming up against in the autumn. You must be fancying yourself against the likes of the All Blacks, seeing how they've been tracking this year. I watched a lot of rugby, so I've, I've watched them and you know, seen them. But I, um, it's one of the games I love to play in it. You know, I guess as a kid, when you look up and, and say, I want to be an international, you also say you want to play against the All Blacks and face the Hackers. So... Yeah, I'd love to love to play in that. Obviously, the you know the the Southern Hemisphere is um is such a weird competition. Some years, like you know, New Zealand dominates. Some years, Australia do. Some you know, South Africa. So it changes all the time. So um yeah, no, it's uh it's one that I definitely want to play in, and hopefully I can put my best foot forward in training in the next couple of weeks and see if uh, I get selected. Yeah, definitely. Now talking to Gregor and talking of family members and family names, for our listeners, the millions of listeners, you've got a little brother called Murray, haven't you, who plays scrum off with Gregor's son for Scotland under twenties. Is the dream to play with him one day for Scotland or is he like the annoying little brother that's gonna be a hell of a player and you just wanna keep him in his box until he explodes completely onto the scene? No, I'd love to I'd love to play with him. He's currently at uni in Newcastle. And he's like, you know, he, he had the opportunity to potentially go pro in uh, in Glasgow and, and Edinburgh, I think. And he didn't want to sack up his uni stuff, especially, I think, seeing my injuries early on in my career. I think he wanted to get something just behind him before he went and and um, and pushed on with his rugby massively. But I'd love to, I would love to play with him one day. It would be really cool, even if it's just for a club team, but ideally for, for Scotland together. And um, it would be uh, it would be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool to go, you know, Redpath, Townsend, Redpath again. So it'd be like, Dad's always saying, it'd be like the good old days. So uh I'd love to try it, but I don't know. We'll never, you never know, I guess. Yeah, it'd be wicked to see. Uh, for some people, they'd be blown away the fact that a red path has an English accent. We've gone through that. And I know we had a chat away from the podcast before about the emotion around your dad when you got your first cap and he cracked open the bottle of whiskey, the bottle of the, bottle of the famous grouse that he got on his first cap or his 50th cap. Can you just share that? Because I love shit like that. I love like how proud he must have been having played for Scotland himself and then watching you play, but also winning in the way that you play. Just tell us what he did. 
Uh, so my whole family uh, in lockdown, they had so it's like my mum, dad, brother, sister. I think my brother might have been at uni, but my mum, dad, sister, and then like some really good close family friends who I've literally known since my brother's birth. So it's like, like nearly 20 years. They all stayed at the house and watched the game. And at the start of the game, you know, they were just sending photos of them all. And they all had like, you know, I didn't see all these until afterwards, but they had like face paint on their, on their like the Scotland badge and, their, and on their cheeks and stuff. And just kind of having a good day and making the most of it because obviously we're all in lockdown. When I come back to my phone, you know, after the game, I just see like a, a quick message of him opening this bottle of whiskey. And my family friend, like the, the dad of my family friend, he's like a, he's pretty much like a second dad to me. He sent me the video of dad opening it and just saying like, like you know, Cam, this is the the whiskey I got on my 50th cap. I'm going to drink this, you know, just to, as a memory. You've got your first cap now. The game's, you know, it's at half time of the game, but I'm going to, it's, it's done. You've got your first one out the way. Um, and I'm, you know, proud of you and just wanted to kind of drink this on a special occasion and hoped one day that you would play for Scotland and, and you know, do that. So it was uh, it was pretty cool. I didn't really, I'm not really one to get emotional and stuff. So I, I didn't really, you know, get too much, but it was, it was cool. Before the game, he sent me a, photo, a video of me, my brother and my sister in Australia in 2003 on the, on the balcony in, a, uh, in the hotel singing the national anthem. So like, I've got so many memories of me in like little Scotland shirts running around the place and um, all that. And then, after the game, about an hour after the game, we had did our like, you know, like my cap ceremony, and it was, he was on Zoom there, and I didn't speak to him because I couldn't hear, and you know the lads were all getting pouring beer on me, all this kind of stuff, and I didn't really speak to him there. And then about half an hour after that, my sister sent me a, a video of my dad, and he had a like a big Scotland like badge on his on his chest that they've like painted on when he's topless, and um, him at the top of the stairs just like passed out like that and uh, <laughs> obviously had too much of the whiskey with our family friends and they were all absolutely steaming loving themselves like loving the day and, and yeah I didn't see him for a few weeks as well because of because of all the COVID stuff but he was uh, I think he had a few too many beers that day good on him yeah great bloke great bloke and uh, obviously the memories uh, of him playing you used to watch him a hell of a lot and I know this is you making your own pathway in the game now but um Genuinely, your favourite memories from your old man. I mean, he was a little terrier of a player for Sale in Gloucester, and obviously a hell of a coach as well. Uh, is he still involved in the game? Is he is he still part and parcel of it? Is he thoughts of getting back into it? He does a bit of like consultancy work, and like he's kind of like it came out as a DOR as a, of of uh, London Scottish at the minute. But he does like more consultancy stuff because he works still in London. He loves it. He still gets in touch with me all the time, uh, literally every game. If I don't get too many messages, I know I've played all right. If I get a big paragraph, I know I've not had the best game. So um, <laughs> it's kind of how it works. I don't really get, I get a well done every once in a while. and, and But it's not really like that. We've, kind of, we've got a really good relationship with it like, from when I was maybe like 15. If I played badly, I'd get a, a bit of a grilling or, or just a lot. He'd say a lot. But my best memory, would I, I, can't, really, I can't really tell you, to be honest, playing wise. I don't remember them too well. I've got loads of photos of it, but... I do remember going in and, you know, when, when, when he was coaching a lot. I remember one time it was at Gloucester, I was at Eliotta, uh, was having a snowball fight with me. And I remember that quite well. I remember going in and doing kicking with Sips when I was like 11, 12 at Sale. And it was quite cool. And then to obviously be at to Bath with him last year, it was uh, it was pretty cool. So I've got a lot of memories of, of like, you know, when he was coaching and, and things like that, um, which I loved. And I used to get to, I used to go down to, you know, to training with him as many times as I could. So that was one of my probably... Like those things were like I really do remember, and I, you know, I loved it when I was a kid. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. All right, Cam. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. And best of luck for the autumn. Thank you very much, Cameron. Class, mate. Thank you. Cheers, Cam. Thanks, mate. Awesome that was. Thanks very much. Top lad. Yeah, yeah, he is. Lo- what a lovely guy. I eh? love the English accent. Another one, English accent, playing for Scotland. But it's not about the accent. He's if you cut him open, he is literally bleeding blue. Like there ain't no but he's blue. Had he not had an ACL injury, he'd have been on tour with England South Africa all those years ago and he might have got capped, you never know. But Yeah, but fate. It's fate. And that story about his dad and you know his dad exceptionally well, having been coached by him and all that stuff. I know his dad pretty well as well. That's a touching story that, isn't it? It really is. And I, I'm not just saying this. To see a Townsend or a Redpath or a Hamilton playing for England, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't. Like, as in... You're not putting your... Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're not putting your name in the same bracket as Brian Redpath and Gregor put, Townsend as, nah, as players, though. I'm putting JJ and Max's. I'm putting JJ and Max's in there. But no, mate, I'd, look, I've got a huge amount of time for... Brian and I've been watching Cameron since he was a young lad coming through. It was always this Cameron lads coming through, Cameron and now Murray's other lads coming through as well. They're a rugby family and I just think that 
you look at the way that he played against England on that day, now knowing that he couldn't even do a press-up and looking at how well he played and how much it meant to him. Like, it's meant to be. Him playing for Scotland is meant to be. That's what I think. And look, he's you know he's been in a tough spot with injury and stuff like that. He's come through that. I know he said he's got two caps. In my eyes, he's got one against England. And I think if he can get a run of form, and we saw that game against Northampton when he's fit, when he's on the front foot, naturally gifted. Of course he is. He's a Scotsman and he's a, he's a red path. So wicked to have him on. Do you know what I did love about it as well? I love the way his brother is using the fact that he wants to get an education behind him and get his uni degree. Had he been at somewhere else like Swansea Uni or something, he's at Newcastle, one of the best partying cities in the world. <laughs> of course he wants to get a degree and then give rugby a crack afterwards. He's having too much fun at uni. His little brother is Murray. So uh, watch out for that name as well. Great family. Well, with the internationals back, it also means the Guinness Pint Predictor is back. Same deal, predict the scores, beat your mates and win pints of Guinness. All you have to do is download the free Fanzo app, that's F-A-N-Z-O. It's no longer called Match Pint. Go to the Guinness Pint Predictor and enter the code RugbyPod. You can put your predictions in for the first two weeks and the week one winner will receive a signed ball by the 2021 Scotland squad. Jeez, that's big. No, no. Why do you think it's 2021 signed Scotland ball? Because Finn's on it. Smart. <laughs> 2022, he ain't on it yet, is he? No, he's not on it. Well, you could say the Six Nations, but he might not have been on it. But yeah, you're right. That's it. All right, Japan, New Zealand, who you guys got? Oh, all depends on the team that Japan put out to keep it under 50. Mate, Japan have come out and said they fancy it. Well, I'm sure, that, I'm sure they do. They beat South Africa. 10 years ago. No, they beat South Africa a few years ago. <laughs> I like Japan. Yeah. I tell you now, I like Japan. I love the way that they play. You've got chop tackle and you've got flying into rooks physically. I mean, I love watching Japan. So if anyone wants to get up at 10 to 7 in the morning, if you're in the UK, you get up and watch that because Jim says. Because when we did the segment, do you remember how good that segment was? Japan through Jim's eye, also known as... Jim's Japside. Yeah, I don't know whether you can say that now. Lots happened since uh, we did that segment, but it should come back. Maybe just for this week. We just did it. So Japan through Jim's eye, also known as Jim's eye. I'm predicting New Zealand by 35. I think it'll be closer than we think. If Japan are saying that they're going to beat them, it's going to be closer than we think. 35. I'm going to go a bit more. I'm going to go New Zealand by 45. Ooh, a lot of injuries for New Zealand. Just, just saying. Scotland, Australia. Big one for you, eh, Jim? He wants, I know what he wants to say. He wants to give it Robert the Bruce, all this stuff. Scotland are back. We're going to beat a big team and then it'll be all fart no poo again, I reckon. But who are you saying, Jim? Come on. Depends on the team. I reckon Scotland will be significantly better than people think. I think if Jack Dempsey plays at eight, who's ironically Australian, uh, played for Australia, he's got like <laughs> 17, 18 caps. Mate, he is awesome. You've got Sione Tupolotto as well from the Northern Hebrides. He's been carving up for Glasgow. And whether or not he goes, Adam Hastings, who you could say deserves to start at 10, or Blair. Australia by 10 for me. No, Scotland by four. All right, well, let's take a look at the URC then. What happened with the gastroenteritis and the Ulster and Glasgow squads in South Africa, Jim? Tell the shit's that. I text, I text Ryan Wilson. <laughs> I said, talk to me. And he just texts back shit on shit. That's, <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> Oh my God, who's shitting on who? Because like, <laughs> who's eating something? What's happened? Oh no, you've got E. coli, you gastered. Who's been drinking the water? Who's been brushing the teeth? Who hasn't? Because whoever didn't brush the teeth, I reckon, are the ones that got away with it. Anyone who brushed the teeth is spewing. Jim, that'd be you. You'd have got away with it. Because you literally never brush your teeth, do you? No, exactly right. So, And that's the reason why, because I don't want E. coli. So my goodness me, I mean... I don't know how many of the Glasgow players got it, but Ulster game was cancelled as well. And was it 29 players and 16 staff, which is basically everyone. Imagine like you're the sitting duck, right? And they're like, right, lads, it's through us, literally. We're all through it. You're through the worst. We're about to get on a plane. And you've not had it. And you're thinking, here we go. Am I getting it or not? And you get on that plane and you are literally hanging out your ass. There's nothing worse than being on a plane and unleashing hell. So doesn't sound good is what I'm saying. I know we're jesting, but there's been a couple of things that come out of it. Also, we're meant to play the Sharks. Good mate of mine, friend of the show, Marco Masotti, was like, give us the points. He ain't having shit on shit. That is a terrible tweet that he's put out there, right? Mate, he ain't having it though. 
like he's a South African. He's bulletproof. He's Wolf of Wall Street, mate. He ain't he ain't not going to work if he's got the shits. He's going to work. That's what he's thinking. No, I agree. Uh, terrible tweet though in terms of what he said. Is this a joke? It must be. Is this a professional sports league? Has this happened in other professional sports leagues? Maybe darts, curling, or pickleball. Just give us the point. He just wants the points. He, what he's done is he's oh shitting on who? He's probably spread the E. coli, and then he wants the points, doesn't he? Andrew, controversially, New Zealand played South Africa when they had E. coli when they were ill. Mm, 1995. And South Africa won the World Cup, didn't they? Off the back mm. of it, allegedly. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why Glasgow also didn't play. Have you guys ever been in a situation where the teams all come down with it? Yeah. World Cup quarterfinal. I've spoke about it on air. All the lads got it. Kovskin here from the streets of Kov. Immune system bulletproof. No, no, no. Day of the game. I'm getting a watery taste <laughs> in my mouth. The brown thing at the back is starting to twitch. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to go. And got to the stadium. I am unleashing hell. I'm like, is this nerves? Or is someone food poisoning me from Argentina? Because they know that I'm one of the best players at the World Cup this year. Like, I didn't know what was going on. But in 2007, I had it bad and carried on playing. So Marco... Masotti probably knows that story. And it's like, well, if Jim played and the All Blacks played in 95, then so should they. But it's not, we shouldn't joke because I don't know like, if there's any fallout from having E. coli, what the long-term disasters are from it, but wouldn't wish that upon any human. He'd lose a bit of weight. Andrew, <laughs> smart man. Brush your teeth five times a day in South Africa. <laughs> Linster had the edge over Munster going in the big one, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Do you know what? How good was it to see the Aviva packed 45,000, so it wasn't fully, fully packed. But, you know, 45,000 for that game. It's obviously a massive grudge game. Obviously, the Leinster-Munster derby. Munster, actually, second half, uh, went into a bit of a lead, didn't they? Against the odds, they were down to 14 men. thought Coombs played well. But, yeah, Leinster too good again, weren't they, Jim? Well, that's it. And on your point around the 40,000 people plus in the stadium, that shows the strength of Irish rugby. With everything that's happening now, in the shadows of the awful stuff that's happening in the Prem. And I've spoken about the URC and there's still a few issues and teething problems that need to get through. But you talk about Irish rugby, 40,000 people at an Interpro game. I know Leinster and Munster historically is a big game, but that's a lot of people to go and watch a club game. It's Ulster-Munster this weekend. If Ulster make it back and they're all right. And I just, I look at that and it gives me hope. It gives me faith. But Leinster, for me, one of the best teams in Europe. We know that. They didn't win anything last year. And I'm sure with Lancaster being his last season, good friend of the show, Leo Cullen, and the quality of players that they've got, they mean business. But Munster, miles better than where they were. So it's not quite Graham O'Rountree yet. It's Wigsville for me still. But I've seen signs in the last couple of weeks with Munster with their physicality, their scrum getting better, their game management. Like you mentioned, Coombs again at the weekend, scored a couple the week before that actually... They've got something about them, and I think Wigsville will be there for a long, long time. Not that we didn't think he would be, but look at Gerard at Villa. We ate Villa and we ate Villa. And some good news for a couple of the Welsh regions and the Dragons, and especially Cardiff, who had a hell of a win against the Stormers. Not just good news. I mean, the Stormers have understood. Remember we had Evan Roos on, and we were like, mate, you'll be going to Swansea. It'll be great. It won't be great. It's Swansea. He thought Italy was shit. Then he went to Swansea and Cardiff, but he was all keen to get out on the beers with the lads in Cardiff, no doubt. But Cardiff boys gave him a message. And all I'm going to say, Reese Priestland, what a performance. Two crossfield kicks. At 45. Yeah, well, he's not 45. He's Mate, he looks good, Reese Priestland. World Cup year, isn't it? Two crossfield kicks for two tries. Kicked his goals like you wouldn't believe. Uh, obviously slotted a, a kick to guarantee the victory at the end as well. Mate, he's really good. And Cardiff, it's a big result, that, because the Stormers, I mean, you talk about driving moors. Honestly, every time they got a driving line out, it looked like men against boys. The Stormers boys are absolutely fucking mahoosive with their driving game. John Dobson's obviously had a few too many in the week as well in Cardiff. Honestly, it was great performance by Cardiff, led by Reese Priestland. Delighted for him, to be honest. Die young, great coach. You know, to beat the Stormers champions, it's a big result, that is, especially with how much Jim bags the Welsh. And Jim, I know you want to talk about the Dragons. I actually do. And I think we need to give them the time and the platform and the black book to dissect their performance because against the Ospreys, they were wicked. And to quote friend of the show, uh, Voldemort, Tom Shanklin, one of the best Welsh derbies we have witnessed in a long time. And he was right. Physicality from the Dragons. And we know, because we spoke about it on here, tongue-in-cheek again, taking the pesh, that the Dragons have struggled. Like I've not really seen anything. They've not fired a shot. But when you look at the profile of some of the players that they've got, and we've gone through 
some of the signings that they've had. Uh, Tomkinson in the centre, for example. JJ Hanrahan. They had to shuffle around a couple of their players. But the back row, Aaron Wainwright, people would have heard of him. Warren Gatlin's favourite player. Ross Moriarty in the back row. Harry Keddy in the back row. The physicality around them and their defence was the foundations of them, what we saw in the team. So Ospreys went down to 13 men and then that was it. The floodgates opened. Rio Dyer. Now you've heard me mention him before, haven't you? Man of the match. This lad is phenomenal. Any relation to Kieran? I don't know. Let's say he is because he looks like he can play. And if you're a footballer and you played like Kieran Dyer back in the day, then you can obviously do the business. So quality player he is. He's in the Welsh squad. Everyone's talking about Lewis Rees Summit. If he gets a shot, he is absolutely rapido. So very impressed with the Dragons. Fair play. Attack was good. Ospreys had one opportunity, right, at the end. Five minutes to go. So they decided to go for touch. Jack Walsh missed it. Missed touch, didn't he? That was it. Game over. George North went off injured as well, which ain't good for Wales. But Dan Lydiot's back and Justin Tipperick as well. So they're the headlines from that game. Wanted to give the Dragons a bit of light. Luke Narraway, it wasn't all down to him. It was down to him. But there's been a lot. What's happened to D Ryan? No one knows. No one said anything. <laughs> Is it still not come out? Is he still trying to get that payout? I don't know. I don't know what's happened, but no one said anything. It's like, if you say, don't say anything, it's like, soon enough people forget. Well, we ain't forgot. Where are you, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> right, let's first things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, let's do that. We'll start off with a, a Scottish influence here in the good this week. Finn Russell's going to get a mention. He got 18 points for Rassing and set up tries for fun in their 38-31 win over the top 14 champions, Montpellier. Sticking in France, actually, Madosh Tambwe uh, scored a couple of tries either side of half-time to rescue Bordeaux and get them a 23-23 draw away at Clermont. We just mentioned it. The Drags. The Dragons. Not the Dregs. Not the Dragons. The Dragons, Jim. Who would have thought? Who would have thought it? They're breathing fire again. They beat the Ospreys. 32 points to 25 at Rodney Parade. So, uh, big shout out to the Dragons boys. And on that, Rodney, Rodney, Rodney. The Rodney Parade was banging from what I could feel or see. Rodney. Certainly was. We'll go to the Premiership now and a very Scottish influence coming in from Adam Hastings. He gets mentioned the goo this week. He's dropped goal for Gloucester, edged them to victory. And that's now four wins from five in the Premiership for our Favourite team from the southwest, Jim, Gloucester. So good stuff by those boys. Alex Goode gets a mention in the Goode this week. Do you like what I did there, Jim? I saw what you did there. But I thought you were going to say Scotland overall. I didn't think you were going there. I thought it was just going to be Scotland because you've mentioned Hastings, you've mentioned Finn. We've had Cam Redpath on. But go on, go on you go. I see. Yeah, no, we, we, we'll get there. We'll finish with it. Alex Goode gets a mention in the Goode this week for Cooley getting his spuds out and kicking the winner for Saracens down at Exeter as he equaled the record for the most appearances for a Saracens player. So well done to him. Bath get a mention in the good. They don't win the good this week. They get a mention for their first win in 10 games, 27-14 over the Saints. Marcus Smith gets a mention in the good. Of course he does in his Harlequins team. Youngest player to reach 100 Premiership appearances. He had eight carries, 54 metres, a try assist, beautiful try assist actually with the Grubber kick through, cross-field grubber kick. Uh, it was absolutely outstanding. And 24 points for him. So brilliant for Marcus Smith. But the good this week goes back to Wales, Jim. And Cardiff, Blues. Not the Blues, because they were shit when they were Blues. But Cardiff Rugby get the good this week. They won 30 points to 24 against the champions of the URC, the Stormers. The Stormers hadn't been beaten in 15 games. So imagine a Welsh team ending that for you. Pretty bad from the Stormers. But the good this week goes to Rhys Priestland, Cardiff, Die young. They beat the Stormers. They beat the champions. And that's why they get the good this week. But Dobbo's had a good time, which is the most important thing. Because if you don't smile and have a good time, what's the point? Exactly. He is. Uh, he's probably happy to get back to Safka and try and have a dry week, I think. But there we go. The bad. few bits of bad. Breathe. They sacked Jeremy Davidson last week. But things haven't got any better with a 27 points to nil defeat at Stade Francais. Northampton get a mention in the bad this week. They've coughed up 14 turnovers, gave away 15 penalties. Pretty abject performance down at Bath, so uh, they get a mention in the bad. Benetton are going to get a mention in the bad. Ever since Jim Hamilton went there, they've been shocking. They were 9-3 up at half-time against the Bulls, but eventually lost 44 points to 22. So pretty poor second half from them. Scarlets, a Welsh theme, they're going to get a mention in the bad again this week. Lost 36 points to 14 at Connacht. 
And that's just one win and one draw from six games in the URC this season. So not good for those boys. Sale, get a mention of the bad for their discipline as well. Pretty shocking. Loads of penalties given away. Alex Sanderson will want to sort the troops out before he goes back down to his old stomping ground, Saracens, this weekend. But the bad this week, unfortunately, goes to... I don't know where to put this, really. Do I put it on Ulster's door? Do I put it on Glasgow's door? Do I put it on South African Water's door? I think you give it to the lads that brush their teeth. Don't brush your teeth in South Africa. So basically, the bad this week goes to the fact that the Ulster boys and the Glasgow boys all got the shits. Whoever brushed their teeth with South African Water basically got the shits initially. I think it's based on South African Water. You're going to get the, the bad this week because... You gave Ulster and the Glasgow boys the shits and all my shits. And then the ugly, three bits of ugly. We're going to start off with Paul Boyle, who only got a yellow card for his pile driver on Scarlet's lock, Tom Price. Uh, but that could have been a red. Then we're going to move on to MJ Pelzer, who got a red card for a shoulder to the head of Nick Haining when he didn't even have the ball for Zebra against Edinburgh. Did you see that one, Jim? Pretty ugly, that wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty ugly. And you've put it in there, rightly so. The ugly this week goes to La Rochelle prop Reda Wardy, who was in the France squad that got named last week for the Autumn Internationals. He decided to put a shoulder to the head of France's best player, Anton Dupont. You just don't do that to Anton. The world's best. Yeah, the world's best player. You've just been named in the French squad. You see Anton Dupont come in. He's passed the ball. Then you've given him shoulder to the head. Pretty bad tackle. So this week, Red Awardee, not only are you going to get a big ban, you've got a red card. You've got the ugly on here and you ain't going to be in the French squad anymore. So that's why he gets the ugly. Thanks, Scooty. And you guys got a couple of shout outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, we have. We've got a few good shout-outs. A big shout-out to London Welsh legend, Matthew Jawsey Childs, who's in his mid-50s, so he's in his prime. And he ran the Yorkshire Marathon on Sunday, the 16th of October, and raised over two and a half grand for Voyagers Charity. If you want to check them out, it's voyagers.org.uk. Jawsey, well done. I wonder if he's got a big mouth or big teeth. Yeah, well done, Jawsey. And a big shout-out as well to Michael Griffin. He was involved in an accident last week and ended up in a coma, unfortunately. Uh, he has started to come round over the last few days and he's a big Scarlets fan. Uh, so we're wishing him well and all his friends and family are wishing him all the best as well. Yeah, we've got a final shout out to Old Rigation. We've done a few of these before for them because we couldn't work out whether it was Regiation, but it isn't. It's Rigation. So here's a big shout out. They're organising the game this week on the 29th to raise money to provide opportunities for Ukrainian refugee children in the UK. They're looking for other clubs to get involved. So search Train for Ukraine on the Just Giving page if you want to get involved. And a big shout out to producer Tristan who had his wedding last weekend. He's finishing up with the pod next month and joining Quinn. So if you fancy getting involved with the pod and have experience editing audio, get in touch on social media or email fred at theropypod.com. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, producer Rob. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Rugby spot. Spot a pod, 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 pod. Uh-huh.